is the Wife Wisdom Podcast with Christy Little-Jones, episode number 11. Finances and freezing your eggs. What? Up next on the Wife Wisdom Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Wife Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Little-Jones of MrsChristyJones.com. I'm a relationship coach, a marriage and family champion, and the chief cheerleader for women all over the world. My heart is to share my experiences and lessons with you that I've learned about life, about being a wife, and the many adventures in marriage. So each week on the show, we will have real conversations intended to help cultivate your heart as a wife by preparing you to be a wife, by becoming a better wife, and staying encouraged as a wife. And so I am super excited about today's special guest. Not only is she a powerhouse boss and a superstar expert in so many different areas, in marketing and branding and diversity, and her heart is really for millennials, but she's a thought leader in the industry. She's a small business influencer and the CEO and founder of ISOM Global Strategies, which is a privately owned Inc. 5000 company. It's a privately owned company, Inc. 5000. She is a, literally, she's a superstar. And I'm just so excited that I know her personally. She was a roommate of mine. She is, I just marvel and I'm so excited just to see what she's done, the decisions that she's made. And to be to be an owner of a million dollar operation, a company, like really as a African-American female in today's society is just super exciting. So I'm so excited to welcome Miss, Miss Tawan Isom to the show today. Hi, Jake. Hey, Chris. <laughs> I'm super excited. You have a wealth of information that I just cannot wait to share with our listeners today because you are just, I mean, I've seen you like from the beginning, like I knew you in the beginning when you first started this thing and you are just, have just blown up to be this, not only you're not a girl boss, you're like a woman boss. Like, you're like <laughs> <laughs> girl, I'm telling you, it is just like, wow, I am, you know, what I'd, I'd love to hear first is just tell our listeners, I said a little bit, but you know, that doesn't even skim the surface. I just want you to tell them a little bit about you, about who is Tawan. Oh, wow. Thanks, Chris. So um, Tawan Isom is a combination of, I would say, um, a Southern girl in many ways and a, a daughter, a friend, yeah, you know, and and in work is kind of last. That's what most people kind of you know know me for. But I would say that's probably the least important aspect of my life. But I'll, it feels like for some people that's the most important to most. No, it's definitely not the most important. I think it's an aspect of who you are for sure. But you're just you're so much deeper, and I think it's just. Um, it, it, it's be, you're, it, it contributes to your success, like who you are and what you represent and who you are, your identity and who you are at the core, I think has everything to do with why you're so successful in so many different areas. Oh, and so, absolutely. And so I, um, you know, the show is really about being real and you're one of my very real friends <laughs> where <laughs> we have, some amazing conversations just about life, about, you know, things that we didn't expect, things that we that not necessarily were prepared for. And, you know, we've been through the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs, you know, draws down, seeing, you know, like every, yes. it's just been, you know, to have somebody that you're able to go through life with, like we have to go through the joys, the sorrows, and and still be able to celebrate one another and love one and one another through the the growing pains, I think is so important. But there are some different things that you've gone through that I think are really important for women to know who have a heart to be a wife, whether they are single and they want to be married, whether they're newly married and they're just like, oh Lord, how what have I done? 
or even seasoned wives who are just needing a fresh a freshness even with even just real whether it's rediscovering themselves whether it's just kind of getting excited again about their what they're passionate about and their purpose I think you're just a perfect guest to really help just ignite and and infuse this excitement and energy into people's lives so tell us a little bit about you know, something that we, that you've done that I think is so smart that I wish I had done a better job just watching you and learning from you is the whole, the decisions that you made when you were younger that have really affected your life now as, um, you know, getting older and being mature. So can you talk a little bit about that? What are some of the, and how did you know to do that even? Oh, well, I think one of the decisions, like for me, earlier on, I made a lot of decisions out of fear of not wanting to be poor. Like I grew up mm-hmm. a product of a single mom, mm-hmm. and I was really blessed to have the mother that I have. Um, my aunt and my mother both raised me. Um, my aunt moved from North Carolina up here to help my mom. My mom had already lived here. And when my mother moved, she had heard, you know, essentially that there was a better life, more opportunities in the D.C. area. So we moved up here and she stayed with a friend of a family. Um, It wasn't even someone she knew. It was someone who we lived in Palmer Park um, on Walker Mill Road, like on Walker Mill Road, I'm sorry, for a little Uh bit. And we moved up here to to really to create a new opportunity. And so I think I was maybe like seven at the time or maybe five. And my brother was about maybe, well, no, my brother's like four and I was like seven. And we lived in a rooming house. And I don't know if it was a traditional rooming house, but I remember it was like my mom, my brother, myself, and it was several other people who were like single parents um, or single women and they were in the same situation and they were taking care of children and we just all shared a house. And that was the first memory that I had, had a really, a real community. And so Mm -hmm. then shortly after my mom got a job and my aunt came up here because they're like, they were, you know, two thick as thieves. And so Mm -hmm. my, my aunt came up here to move to help my mom and so then we didn't move. We moved out of the boarding, out of the Roman home with like, it must have been like maybe four families in there and like a three. Oh, wow. House. Yeah. And um, we moved into like the inner city at that time. And one of the things that I would just constantly see would be women who were single women and they were just struggling. You know, they were in and out of these crazy relationships and, that was the example of, of what I had. Now, mm. let me say that I never had the men that I interacted with and my mom interacted with. They were always good men. But those were men that were in a in another situation. Either they have been 50 years, it seems like. And it just it really was a situation where the women that I interacted with in the inner city were always in a situation because of you know the finances or not having somebody who was really holding up their end of the bargain when it came to their children and so every decision that I made from then was really fueled out of that will not be me Hmm. and so I was very intentional that if and when I had children I would one be married Mm -hmm. and two I would always be financially independent and that fueled everything that I that I did. So I stayed with my mom for a little bit and I bought my first house. I think I was like 24, 23 mm-hmm. when I bought my first house. Wow. And yes. So I so there was a, a guy named, there were two guys, Rodney, who worked at BET and his business partner, Greg, and they were selling homes all over DC. And so at the time, I just kind of, I was 23, my brother and I and my mother, and my aunt, we all lived together. And I was just like, I can't take it anymore. Because my brother was getting, he and I just, uh, you know, we were just arguing. We were, we, it was just frustrating. You know, he was getting older. I was getting older. I had my own opinion. He had my own opinions. And so my first time I moved out, I was like, you know, Ronnie was like, hey, you want to buy a house? It's kind of in a, the area is transitioning, but you're on the early side. I've always been somebody financially who takes risk. Um, mm-hmm. I'm an aggressive investor. So I was like, okay, hey, why not? And so bought that house 
he did a lot of the modifications. It turned out to be really nice. And I think it was like 18 months later, I ended up, he was like, hey, I got another house right up the street if you like wow. the area. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I ended up buying a second house with him. And I still own those two homes today. And, wow. you know, that, those investments over time have, um, it was maybe like 20 years ago, those investments have really helped me just have the equity and have the net worth and just really consistently improve my financial situation. Now, you know, liquid cash and equity cash are completely <laughs> right. But um, it did really set me up as I started to grow the business more, you know, to have those things as collateral. Wow. Now, did you learn this kind of on your own or just because you were high risk, you just kind of took risks and you found, oh, this works. Oh, let me do it again. Oh, this works. Or did you, you know, I know your upbringing and just your experiences shaped you in, in really knowing, okay, I am not going to be like this. This is not going to be my future. When I get older, I'm going to be financially savvy. Like, so was it the experiences that really kind of drove you to being smart financially or did you take classes? Like, how did you learn how to do this at such a young age, 23 years old? That's very young. Honestly, Chris, I have just always been, um, I like I listen to people who seem like they have stuff going on and not just because of external things, mm. you know, like having a car and nothing like not as unsmart as that. Right. But just people who I, I observe who are just making real money moves like mm. and not. And, you know, one of the things that's in our community that so often happens is we get so caught up in the superficial stuff. Yeah. That person looks like they have a lot of money. So where I tend to go the opposite, if somebody looks like they have a lot of money, then I'm kind of running in the opposite direction. I kind of more am a person who listens to see what they talk about, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like if you're having a Mercedes or you got like a, you know, LV bag, a Louis bag or something like that, I'm less impressed by that. The external stuff, I'm more, you know, interested in the things that you talk about. Like when I have a conversation with you, you know, I might ask, you know, so what's going on? You know, like financially, you know, I don't ask like directly financially, but I may ask a question of, you know, so look, I'm, I'm, I'm growing my business. Do you have any advice on where you put your money or something mm -hmm, like that? Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of questions that I ask. And so if you drop stuff like key man insurance, deferred comp plan, living trust, then I'm listening to you. And I know you're somebody that I need to engage with, you know? Wow. Right. So I remember when I listened to, I went to this and I'm not going to call her name because everybody goes to her. I went to her conference on the West coast. Mm -hmm. She had a conference about speaking and writing. And I was like, Oh my God. And everybody was, you know, you go outside the room, you listen to people and you stand in line and she's selling 40,000 packages to come and join her training program, you know, because I went to a, a big women's, uh, black women's conference and she's, mm -hmm. she's mm -hmm. very, so I went to her room and she's selling these packages and a friend of mine who was actually with me that time, she's like, so if you want to do the package and you want to join our coaching group program, and I'm not really a coach, like that's a special skill set. I'm more of a trainer. Yeah. You know? And things like marketing and coaching is a very, my personality doesn't really work well for coaching. That's funny. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I admire people who do have that skill set. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that a friend of mine who's with me, she's like, so are you going to do it? And I mean, people were standing in line financing like this stuff on credit. And I was like, are you absolutely crazy? Mm -hmm. No, I'm not doing it. But one of the things that I asked her that told me that she was not someone for me, like she could have been for someone else, but she was not for me. Cause the first question I asked her was, what did you do with your first million dollars? Mm. And her answer to me wasn't significant enough of someone who I would want to engage and do participate wise, you know, mm. cause I kind of felt really that if you are not at the point where you can, and I'm not telling, I'm not saying like specific stuff, you know, but yeah, to, tear, to, to steer me in the right direction, then that's not something that I would, or someone that I would really want to lean to for advice. So, so to answer your question in a long way, it really is um, 
that was the long answer. The short answer is I listen to people who make money moves. I watch people who make money moves, not just people who have the perceived value or, you know, or mm, money. And yeah. so when I saw Rodney buying and selling homes and the one thing that impressed me is his lifestyle never changed, like, on mm. like, superficially. I was like, well, what are he running around here? And, you know, and, and, and other people that I started engaged with, like a friend, I didn't know anything about money. My friend, you know, I have a very good friend named Tab, and she had, like, an 800 credit score. And I remember one day she was over at my house, and I had some credit card bills on my desk, on my, um, on my, my, my wardrobe. And she said, hey, these are past due. And I was like, what did that mean? And she said, you have oh, to pay wow. credit card. I had no idea that you were supposed to pay credit card about a due date. Wow. That's the level of when I say I had no knowledge of financing. Mm-hmm. And then I started watching. Um, I, I'm very someone who watches a lot of trends. And I listen to, to people. And I'm, I'm able to extract information. Mm-hmm. And apply that information for myself. I think that's one of the gifts of mine. So mm-hmm. um, I would just listen to people and started, you know, listening to them about finances, people who I felt like had significant um, investments. And so one of the things that um, I recognized was, hey, like having these two homes would really set me up for the future, you know? Yeah. And, and how to now with the business stuff, I'm just kind of more interested in long term things now. So you know, and there are other things too, like investing with at your level, you know, like, and what does that look like? So one of the things now in DC, I'm, I don't have the liquid cash to be able to, to, um, to really buy things cash. Like now when and you talk about investing in DC, a lot of people are buying stuff like straight million dollars. They're doing cash of a million dollars and so I thought I was hot stuff like when I saved a hundred thousand dollars cash I was like oh my god I've actually saved a hundred thousand wow. dollars that is and hot stuff. That was a big move for me that is big uh-huh. that's big for anybody really to save a hundred thousand dollars people live in check to check girl so good but, you, but let me tell you how I saved a hundred thousand it probably took me three years but I saved it by literally just cutting back on basic stuff. That's huge. You know, like literally just cutting back on basic stuff, like not eating out as much, not spending, not spending as much money um, shopping. Yeah. Um, I still shop, but I was shop based on, um, you know, Your like a, a success, a reward. And yeah. And, and actually what I stopped doing is I stopped buying little nickel and dime stuff. So mm. I stopped doing the $300 stuff. You go to Marshall's, you go to TJ Maxx and you rack up for like two or $300. I would just save my money and I started buying more quality stuff, you know? Yeah. And stuff that lasts. And, you know, yeah, it might be $400 for a blouse, but it was a $400 blouse that could last me and still like for 10 years. Yeah. And so as I started to evolve with my finances, I became really, really frugal. Like I'm someone who, I recycle plastic, plastic bags, sandwich bags, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, you know, there's, I pick and choose, you know, the things that I want. I drove my car for the longest time. You know, every, you know that everybody talks about it. Yes, girl. And like, girl, come on, give it a rest, you know? Right. But I'm someone who really is a superficial person when it comes to external things. Right. Um, and I think that helps me a lot, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm not beyond wearing a knockoff bag. Like, and I know people talk about that, <laughs> that's but I mean, I have bought, you know, real stuff, but if it's something that's cheap and I can, it's just something to run around in, then, you know, yeah, I'm going to get like a throw over satchel that might be $30 off the stand. You know, it's just like certain things are more important to me. And when I save that money, I, you know, I saved it because I needed to do the renovation on the other house. And when you have, um, when you own a business, it becomes really tricky. It's so interesting. And I know we're not going to go into it on this conversation, but it becomes real tricky how the government sets up things. So you can't, you, if you borrow money, you have to have the money be on the W-2 and it's more difficult if you own your own business mm. and, you know, it just becomes really complicated. So I knew in order for me to renovate the other house, I had to save the money cash. And that's what made me, wow. you know save the money because I had to. I knew I wasn't going to be able to go to a bank and get the loan directly because I own my own business. Sometimes the business does well. Sometimes it doesn't. 
you know, and it, it's tricky with, with owning your own business financially. That's really good. You know, let's, can you talk to um, a little bit about that? Because it requires a level of discipline to do what you did, to say no, to save a hundred thousand dollars cash, even, even if, regardless of how long it took, that takes major discipline. So for people who struggle with being disciplined, how do you how do you become more disciplined in doing things that you know you want to do that you say you're going to do and not really betray your own word, but to have integrity with yourself and to literally um, operate from a place of integrity, but even being disciplined to what you say you're going to do for yourself, even when no one is watching. Well, for me, I know like financially, I I'm like I said, I'm frugal, borderline cheap on certain things. Like I can pay a, a fifteen hundred dollar for a pair of shoes, mm-hmm. but then I just cannot fathom going to a restaurant and dropping like three and four hundred dollars. I'm just like, oh my god, I can't get with that mindset. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just cannot. I can't get with the flossing stuff. So, um, I take. I like to only spend cash. So when I'm going, because I know that for me, if I have if I get that little credit card going, I don't really use credit as much, but if I get that little debit card going, it's on and, and popping. So if I take $150 out for the week, that's what I have. And I also prepare my own food. And I think that helps a lot. You, most people would be surprised, you know, how much money you spend on eating out. And so right. I have um, a little software that one of my employees actually told me about and she was like I use mint yeah m-i-n-t.com and that thing is the bomb because when you look at how much you put and you can set your little budget mm-hmm. and when you see how much money you have spent on food eating out and drinks you like I you, first of all I'm like 50 pounds overweight and second of all I do not need to be eating out and, and, and <laughs> eating and drinking like three four times a week you end up spending like $200 a week that's $800 a month, yeah. if not a thousand dollars, you know, and my single friends, they are a lot more social and out and about more so than my married friends, of course, because a married friend, they would never spend that kind of money. But, you know, I have a lot of, you know, single women friends who are, who are financially very comfortable. And so even when I go out with them, I mean, a couple months, a few months ago, I went out with a certain friend and our bill was $400. Wow. But dinner, but that's how she rolls. You know, the restaurants that you have to call ahead three months in advance and get on a menu. You know, we eating lamb and the lamb is two hundred dollars oh for two people. Oh my god! I mean, it's like RPM. You know, that's <laughs> it's like, now, crazy. So that's how they roll. You know, and it's like a bottle of a five hundred dollar, you know, champagne bottle is nothing. And oh my it's gosh. Like, so now that's crazy. Bill, I did not order that. You ordered that. <laughs> this is why I ordered a twenty dollars discount special. I, so when you just start, so it's just a fundamentally like I just have always been different with money. The other thing I do too is um, when I was in my twenties, I knew I did not have. You have to know who you are, and I know that I wasn't good with balancing my checkbook. I had a lot of return fees, so I started what I think what started the whole process of how I approach money, not spending what I don't have is I have, um, I would get money orders. Like, so when we were at BET, when I was working at, and when BET was at Roslyn taking you way back, I literally, if I did not have, if I made $1,500 every two weeks and my bills were twelve fifty, I wrote all, I would stand at the, at the post office and get all my money orders and people and my one of my friends at BT, she used to laugh at me all the time. And I would write all my money orders and I would mail them as soon as I got paid. Mm-hmm. And I said, I have $250 left, and that's what I lived off of for two weeks. So wow. I learned very early to manage that. And then I got in a whole lot of credit card debt. Um, like in my late 20s, where I was getting all these credit cards, you know, Navy Federal is the bomb, they'll give you anything. Um, and I must have had like $35,000 in credit card debt. And I did all the negotiation myself and I paid all of those people off. I got my credit back up to like seven something. And now my thing is if I cannot afford to pay cash for it, I will not get it. So now how, so that's, but that's probably a part of who you are, but because some, it's something crazy, like 70% of people in America live check to check. Clearly we have an issue with 
saying no, right? Like you said, if I, I would pay my money orders and I would pay it off and send it off right away, like that's a discipline that you have to be disciplined to do that. So what not owe people? See, I don't like owing people. I've always been like that. Oh, like, yes, even you've always been like that. Friend, yeah, I have always been like that. Remember that time I had spent all my um, expense money and I forgot what I was doing. And I came home and I was like, I'm gonna get fired if you don't pay this money. Yeah. And you said, I got it. And you helped me pay that money back. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I am just very, I don't like to owe people. Yeah. Even the vendors that work for me, you know, I've heard what people say, oh, well, if we don't get paid and the vendors don't get paid, I was like, that's one, that's trifling. And you don't need to have a business if you can't pay people unless you get paid. So we need to start there. You cannot run a business that if your client doesn't pay you, you don't pay your employees. I mean, who does that? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I have a very strict policy about that, you know? And so we were blessed to be able to have a line of credit in the business for $350,000, a line of credit, which is very difficult to get. It's, it's easier to get a loan. It's more difficult to get a line of credit. Right. And I, I tell you, I'm like, that. I pay half the line of credit down. Now we have about about another 120000 more to go. And I was like, that bill would be paid down by March. I just don't like to hope uh-huh. to hope. So it sounds so like, that's something yeah, that's innately in me, yeah. you know? So it does. It sounds like too, like not only is it innate, but it sounds like you, you put some systems in place to hold you accountable. So even I like the idea about the money orders and you pay all the money orders, you send them off right away because the money is gone right away as opposed to, you know, putting, doing a direct, um, you know, like where they have automatic debit or you pay it and it comes back four days later and now you don't have money in the account and now you have a $35 overdraft fee. Like, so I like that. And so I think that's a great strategy and technique for, especially for young people who are just starting out, who are, you know, like literally living check to check because they don't make enough money and to literally develop the discipline to send a, you know, to do a money order. It's kind of like tithing. Tithe, the very first thing that you do is tithing. And then, so the very first thing you do, tithing, pay your bills, and then you live off the rest. Now, if that's not enough, then you need additional income. You need to either get a, a better job, get an additional job, um, and then live on that alone. And so I, I, you know, I love your passion. You are passionate about um, numerous things. And I know finances are, is something that you are really pas- passionate about. So tell us a little bit about what gets you on your soapbox. Like, what's that one thing where you can be like, oh, and you're ready to talk really high, really fast pitch. You know, when you really, <laughs> when you want to talk about something because you just, it just gets that spot where you're like, oh, uh, girl, politics, politics. Oh, yeah. Politics. Well, we're not going to go I down mean, that road. <laughs> yes. And you know, I am conservative. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not a Republican. But and someone had to say that. I think one of Mo's friends said that to me once. Robin. Robin said, I'm not. I was like, oh, you're Republican. She's like, no, I'm not Republican. I'm conservative. And I am a conservative. And one of the things is I'm a fiscal conservative. And so one of the things that really bothers me is the lack of sacrifice people are willing are willing to make. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I remember that I had like two people in this house one time in my the house that I have in D.C. Well, mm-hmm. one of the houses that I have in D.C. And I had somebody upstairs. I had somebody in the basement. I was saving mm-hmm. my money because mm-hmm. I, but what I find is people don't want to be inconvenienced. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay to be inconvenienced as long as you inconvenience if you have a plan or a goal or something you're trying to get. Mm-hmm. And so if you know, like, look, I got all these rooms in this house. I got three rooms. I'm either going to do an Airbnb or I'm going to get me a roommate in here and I'm going to do that and rock that out for a year and I'm going to put it on a calendar and I'm just going to knock it every month. I'm just going to strike something through. That I think really will help, you know, trying to be in, being in the convenient. Cause to me, it's like, you, I don't want to hear anything you complaining about money. If you're not willing to inconvenience yeah. yourself, I know I have inconvenience. I swear to goodness. I must've lived with a roommate for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. But when the financial situation got bad for me, I was able to rent rooms out at my house and, you know, and that's inconvenience to share your space, of to course. share the kitchen. You only got one bathroom. It's like, Oh my God. But, that was during the time when I was able to pay down um, my credit cards because yeah. I had roommates. And the other thing I was doing is before my marketing company really picked up, I was uh, working at AMC Movie Theater doing it as uh-huh. an admin assistant. 
And I was so embarrassed. I ran into my ex-boyfriend as I was cleaning. I think it was on the holidays and it was so busy. And I, you know, just me being the person I am, I didn't have to, but I went downstairs and I started cleaning the theaters and helping like pick up trash and stuff. And I ran into my ex-boyfriend. I was like, oh my God, so embarrassed. Mm. He was like, you work here? I was like, Joker, you see me in a uniform, don't you? But it was like, <laughs> but it was, it was so crazy because it was, you just got, I mean, that was so embarrassing for me, but yeah. You know, the blessing is like a couple years later, I ended up getting my first contract with FEMA and it helped propel me to where I am now. So what I find is people don't want to be inconvenient and I think inconvenience. And I think if you think about it as like, I'm going to do this for a year and that's it. The other thing is something that some people don't think about is check your check your finances and your what you spend your money money on at least once a month. Don't do it every week. But once a month and you can you can start to look at, oh, my God, I spent that much money on that. And once you start seeing where you spend your money over time, you it's innate. You will decrease your excessive spending. Mm. So if you see like, oh, my God, I spent nine hundred thousand. You're like, oh, my God, this is crazy. I'm going to say I can't do that next month. And in the next month, you'll say 50. And then next month, you will say, oh. I spent too much money on this. The next month, I'm going to save 100. Mm. And you'd be surprised at how just looking at your but your money, what you spend your money on every month, most people will save about 70, 80% just by looking wow. at what you spend your money on. Because you'd be forgetting. Like, you'll say, you know, like, oh, my God, I went to the, you know, I bought too much soap. Like, I buy a lot of stuff in bulk. I, I love Costco. Mm-hmm. And what I started to do is I would buy stuff in bulk and just keep it. You know, like I'll buy laundry detergent, but I don't have to buy laundry detergent for three months as opposed to or four months as opposed to buying it like in the small containers, you know. And so it's little stuff like that. You're like, dang, I spent like about about four hundred dollars at Target last month. You know, so if you buy bulk, one of the things that it does is it keeps you out of Target. Because when you go to Target, you're going to always buy like 80% Easily. more than what you think you're going to buy. Easily. You know, because you see the cute little jacket. <laughs> right. You know, so being like very, watching what you spend your money on every month really helps start to help you decrease the excess expenses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really good. And so, um, you know, what is it that if you could tell your younger self, you could tell another young woman newly starting out, what would you tell them about or even warrant I don't don't want to say warning but that would prepare them for the future like if you could have one thing or a couple things that you could tell younger people or you would have told your younger self now as the woman that you are now what do you wish you knew at 20 or in your early 20s mid 20s that you that you feel could have shifted or changed your your life in some way shape or form um, I think I would have told them to, well, I will tell them to freeze their eggs in their twenties. That's mm. something I would absolutely say to do. Um, it, you know, in some companies, I, I read somewhere that some companies are even paying, wow. which is an amazing health benefit. They're paying for like women at their companies to, um, freeze their eggs. Wow. Because yeah, it's, um, it's very interesting because I mean I was blessed to financially to be able to pay, to do the process and I did two cycles of freezing. Wow! And you know financially that was the other thing too that I paid cash for, um, because a lot insurance doesn't really pay it, especially if you're independent it doesn't pay it. Mm-hmm. And even some some companies I know I have a friend her husband um he company paid for it. um and they went through two cycles like for me. My issue was not necessarily in egg production. Uh-huh. Uh, you know that. Well, I don't know if you know, but as the older you get, the less eggs you you make produce, anyway. Right. Yeah, you make you, right. You produce less eggs, and so when you're in your twenties, you know, ideally, if you don't provide, you don't have any fertility issues. You produce like forty, some crazy amount of eggs. You know, mm. but and the eggs are more viable if you wanted to use them later. When you're in your thirties and forties, I froze mine in my forties a few years ago. You don't have as many eggs. I was blessed that I was still producing a lot of eggs, but not 40. I think I ended up with like 16. Wow. Eight really really good ones. Um, Excuse me. But that stuff makes a difference. So I would definitely say to to do that process in your 20s. I don't care 
what direction you want to go. If you think you want to have kids, you think you don't want to have kids. It's just to me, I think it's uh, it's um, it helps prolong your fertility. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's like I said, it's it's an it's expensive process with the medicine and everything. It was about thirty k for me, um, but I was very intentional that I want children, and and they will only implant up until I think fifty. And then at where you could carry the baby yourself. And you see Bridget Nielsen, Janet Jackson, and Hallie. I'm not saying that they all did that. But what I am saying is that they will implant them up until 50. After 50, they don't. They don't. Most people, I mean, some people probably wow. will, but they don't do. And I use Shady Grove. And so wow. you can't get surrogates. I know before surrogates were used to be like 100, 150,000. But I think now surrogates are like 70,000. So you could, you know, say, hey, I'm like, I have my eggs and I want to have a surrogate carry and you take care of all their expenses and you give them 70,000. And typically, you know, sometimes they can live with you and sometimes they might, um, may not, but you know, so does, that's something that I will always encourage women to do. Even you got a husband, you don't have a husband. I don't care. Freeze your eggs. (laughs) Wow. You know, I think that is uh, just a topic that a lot of people don't talk about. Like they don't talk about freezing their eggs and, you know, I know that since people are getting married older now, um, you know, a lot of people are getting married after 35. It's not like getting married at 22, 23, 24, like we we used, like our parents did, right? But, but you know, I think that's smart. I think that that's wisdom. And I know that even though I didn't, I had my first child at 32 years old, I just, I never thought about freezing my eggs like that's not yeah. that's not even a topic that came up but I feel like that would give a lot of women even permission to do so many other things in their lives if they wanted to have a career first versus having yeah. children first but it would you know be able to free free them up especially if it's something that they can afford or if insurance is paying for it so thank you for even sharing that because yeah, I really do know. believe that it gives people, women permission to yeah. live fully. And then if you don't, if you don't ever need them and you decide one day, like I don't want kids or whatever, if you don't ever need them, you can just always gift them to another couple. You can gift them to somebody else because eggs, you got to pay for eggs. You know, you like, you yeah. got to pay for sperm. You got to pay for eggs. Now there are some services that men are just come around and just, you know, straight, <laughs> have sex with you, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that's what you want. Um, and there, I forgot what it's called, but there is, uh, so you have the option of if you want to continue on having children and you don't have a mate, you can have somebody. There's, there's a service where that's they, you can sort through men. Yeah. You can sort through men and they, and when you're ovulating and you come in, you oh. time it and they have sex with you what? and they go through your papers. Yeah. 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 That's not something that I would do. But there are so people who don't want to pay for that sperm, the the whole process of the other oh stuff, which is probably gonna be a few more thousands of dollars. You know, like yeah, that's people do that. And I n- met this guy in Florida. Um, I was there on business one time, and he actually ended up telling me about it. And he said that he has impregnated several um, women, and I mean, a lot of the people. He said some of them were lesbian couples. Um, oh some of them were gosh. some of them were people who were married, but their husbands had problems conceiving. Um, some of them were, you know, were just single women who wanted to have children. And they were getting older in age, and so they didn't do some. Some of them did do the um, the. This is not the way, though, with people who have stored the eggs. This is just like I'm ready to have a baby, and then a lot of his business was on referral. So, and sometimes the partners, the, so yeah, people are, you know, people are, unfortunately, fortunately, you know, for me, it was just that I had anticipated that, okay, my career is set, um, that I would be married by now, but half of these people are crazy and I'm not one to be putting up no foolishness. So I was like, for <laughs> me, I just know, <laughs> I just know there's certain things that, um, I bring and I offer and I'm nowhere near talking about the professional stuff. But just as a person, my heart, my being, my existence, my spirituality, my greatness, my femininity, mm-hmm. my everything, you know, and I only want to have a relationship with someone who really values that. And, and now we live in, you know, some people are just um, not as committed, 
prone to commitment, yeah. you know, and more fluid in relationships. And that stuff doesn't work for me. So I just anticipated. I was like, okay, mm. I would be, you know, it would be a lot more abundance and better choices. And so um, I'm not someone who's like depressed. I don't feel like a relationship defines me or makes me. Mm-hmm. I feel like it adds to me. Mm-hmm. So I get that part. I just don't feel like it defines me. I'm still amazing with a husband, without a husband. Yeah. I just don't feel that um, I want someone who's amazing. And I'm not really willing to settle on that. That's really good. I told y'all we are very real. Uh, wife, the Wife Wisdom <laughs> Podcast. We talk about the real deal. That's awesome. T. Um, and so real quick as we wrap up, what are the top three things Three tips, three techniques, strategies that you want to share to help women become more financially aware or financially secure or stable. Like what three action steps can they take today, whether they're married or not, that will help them to uh, move towards a better or a more secure financial future? Um, one, I would say to download mint, that would be one and start tracking your financing, mm-hmm. your finances, put yourself on a budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say that, but put yourself on a budget, not based on just your bills. Cause a lot of people do that. Put yourself on a budget. Look, put all your expenses down. That's the first yeah. thing. And then go back through and look at your last six months of expenses from like your um your bank statements and everything and look at where you're spending your money mm-hmm. and then then um reconcile the two to come up with a budget so if you know your 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 expenses every month are let's say um six thousand dollars and you are spending on average eight thousand dollars then I would say meet somewhere in the middle and put your budget at seven thousand. Don't go all the way extreme because you're gonna feel like you know you're not accomplishing anything. You're just saving, saving, saving. Mm. And then I would say you know pay down your credit cards. And some people have a different perspective on credit card payments than I do. Some people look at you know pay down the biggest credit card first. You know with the highest interest. I don't necessarily look at it like that. I say take care of the smaller ones mm. mm-hmm. first because it, you you have little successes. You know, the big one's still going to be there, of course, but take care of the smaller ones and get those knocked out of the way mm-hmm. um, and then move towards the larger credit card payment. You know? Right, right. Um, the third thing I would say is start looking at ways that you can leverage um, additional income mm-hmm. outside of what you already have. So, for example, if you have a car and you hanging out every Friday night, make Friday night your Uber or Lyft driving night, you know? Mm. Um don't be hanging. Stop hanging out. You're saving money and you're driving. Put yourself a little sandwich in your car and get your little roll on and say you make you a couple of money. That can help pay down your credit card bill. So look at things that you can do that will take up your time and not something that's going to be an expense to get paid. Mm. You know, so like maybe Lyft driving, um, working part time, um, doing. I see a lot of people, even I saw this the other day, it was so cute. I saw a mother and her daughter, they were doing. Um, <laughs> they were dropping off food for like Grubhub, you know? Yeah. So that's something cute, you know? So just mother and daughter, we're going to hang out, we're going to drop off food and we're going to create little stories. Like, I wonder what they're doing in that house. And, you know, just different things. I mean, you could do to save money. The other thing that I've started to do is I've started to buy land all over the United States. Mm. So the one thing that I know for a fact, like I can't buy real estate in DC. I just can't afford it. I'm priced out of the market, mm-hmm. but the one thing that we all know is God is not making any more land. Mm. What we have is what we have. And so there's some websites that you can go um, and buy like an acre, a quarter acre. Um, you know, in Texas, there are a couple places I saw 100 acres of land. I mean, but I wouldn't say start with like 100 acres of land. That's pretty much on the pricier side, but you can get like one or two acres or a quarter acre lot and it might be like $5,000. You can get land as cheap as $2,000 or $3,000 mm. and look at land that has, um, that can, um, it's already irrigated like places that you could just dig 
where it's closer and easier if you wanted to build something. Not now. This is stuff that you just get and you sit on for years and years and years. Mm. Um, because real estate will always appreciate. And people say, oh, no, it don't. Yeah, it might take a dip, but it's going to eventually you know, go back up again. So I started to purchase land um, everywhere. You could buy it in Florida, Texas, New Mexico. And there are a couple websites that you can go on to. And you can get something as cheap as like 2000 Hawaii has a couple pieces of land um, that you could buy. It's a little bit on the higher side. But eventually, what you can figure out what you want to do with it, you could develop it. Um, mm-hmm. You could put a tiny house on it. Make sure that you can do a mobile housing, like a, a, a mobile housing setup. But you can buy a tiny house, and eventually that could become a vacation home or vacation rental mm-hmm. for your next generation. So, I mean, just look at ways to... Um, diversify your portfolio. And that's something that you can start saving for. So all the money that you've been saving for, uh, wow. that you've been using to shop and eat, start buying that, that Louis Vuitton bag could be like two acres in Florida somewhere. Wow. You know, so that's the kind of mindset that I know. My, my mindset is to accumulate as much land as possible. So when I do unfreeze these eggs, if I have to, I may not. But that my children are set up and literally I'm deeding them like a thousand acres all over this country. So I'm on that kind of mindset. So obviously it's not easy for me to to engage with a lot of people who just have <laughs> random conversation. <laughs> I love you. This is why I love you because you are why fit in when you were born to stand out, right? <laughs> that- <'Cause> you said- <laughs> You said, this is why I can't have a regular conversation with most people. You are hilarious. And um, thank you so much for just sharing your passion and your perspective, because I think it's important to really shift our mindset and to really, like you said, pay attention, pay attention, get excited, listen to the people who are making moves, who are making money moves, not just talking about it and not just putting all their money into material things that you know, are not going to leave a legacy or generate, generate legacy wealth even. Um, And so I would love for you to share just how people can get in touch with you, how they can follow you, how they can even glean from you and the things that you share um, on social media. I'm sure my handles for everything is Tuan Isom CEO is T-O-W-A-N-I-S-O-M-C-E-O. Awesome. 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 I love it. Any last thoughts or words or final thoughts you want to share before we, we close out? Um, I was going to say whatever, you know, I'm, you know, watching the elections closely. That's something I'm, as I said before, I'm really passionate about and I'm sending prayers for Gilliam and, um, and Stacy Adams, I mean, Stacy and everyone else. And so I just want to just make sure that everyone goes out to vote regardless you know nowadays i don't think one person we are either democrat or republican i think some people kind of fall everywhere Mm -hmm. because there's so many issues that really speak to our heart on both sides so whatever you do is definitely i say you know make sure you get out and vote and the other thing i would say too is go to uncomfortable places like um go if go to financial workshops that um you or, or get on meetup and go to other activities that you wouldn't no- normally go to. And that's going to help expose you to a whole nother different um, set of opportunities, access information mm. and people. So I, I would say, you know, meetup is a great way and event, right? Just to search like financial art, culture, art is another thing I'm really passionate about. So just go on there and search up, search something random that you may know. I really, I really would like to learn more about, architecture yeah and see if they're having an architecture meetup and go and start expanding you know your your experiences because that typically also helps and then take your children with you too like that's the one thing that our brother our other brothers and sisters do they take their kids everywhere so definitely start taking your kids and mm-hmm. exposing them to other things as well so that's that's you know that's, that's awesome. my big that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Tawan, for sharing your your excitement and passion. I love it. Love it. Love it. I know our listeners are going to, their eyes are going to be open to so many different new perceptions, <laughs> perspectives. But thank you. Thank you, listeners, also for joining us today on this episode of the Wife Wisdom Podcast with Christy Little-Jones. See you next week. All right. Bye, Chris. Bye. Bye. Well, 
There you have it, ladies. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I always appreciate you taking the time to listen to our new episodes as well as sharing them with your friends and family. I would love to hear from you as always and how this podcast has encouraged you or how it's inspired you in your own relationships and life. So please shoot me an email at hello at mrschristyjones.com or you can go to my website at mrschristyjones.com. I also want you to join us on Instagram by following us at Wife Wisdom Podcast. Remember, every Monday by 8 a.m. Eastern Time, we are uploading a new episode. And we are also getting ready to launch some really cool programs and some really neat swag. Yay! So please go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash join wife wisdom to get on the list to be notified of upcoming programs and events. Also, if you are an iPhone user and you listen to our podcast, would you mind rating and reviewing us on iTunes? That would be a huge blessing. You can also subscribe to the Wife Wisdom Podcast there and get notifications also on Spotify as well. And so again, thank you so much for listening to the Wife Wisdom Podcast with Christy Little-Jones. I just hope and pray that you were encouraged, you were inspired, and you were supported as you cultivate your heart as a wife. The Wife Wisdom Podcast with Christy Little-Jones was created to help you cultivate the heart of a wife by giving you practical tools, tips, and techniques to live happily ever after. Well, at least most of the time. (laughs) So until next week, keep learning, keep listening, and keep love first. Bye-bye.